What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing out and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find the gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast feed you're using. And we're now on YouTube! So if you or someone you know prefers to listen to shows on YouTube, please recommend them Found Bites GRS on YouTube. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. Merchant of the Skies is the game for this week's episode. Merchant of the Skies is a merchant sim strategy game. And if I had to really put my finger on how to describe this game, I'd say it's a cross between Stardew Valley and a real old but goody sim copter. And it definitely shares a lot of similarities with other sim games like SimCity and also a lot of those sort of overworld uh, resource management games like StarCraft or Civilization. The game was originally released in April of 2020 on PC and Mac, in July of 2020 on Switch and Xbox One, and then finally in June of 2021 it came to PS5. And I don't see a port for PS4, I think it's only for PS5. The game was developed by Cold Wild Games, which is a small team, three people, and they work out of Latvia. So really cool. Never seen a Latvian developer, three people putting this game together. You may have heard of Cold Wild Games. They made uh, the Lazy Galaxy series. I have not played that before. But on their website, they talk about they really like to make experimental game genres or games that kind of split genres. Um, and this game definitely qualifies. I know we called it a sim strategy game, uh, but it definitely has a lot of different elements that make it unique. The game was published by Cold Wild Games, so they were self-published. Big shout-out. That's a big deal for a three-person team, especially from Latvia, getting all the way out here to the U.S. and the rest of the world. Um, So big shout-out to them. Although the PS5 port that came in 2021 was published by Plug In Digital, uh, and we've heard their name before. They publish games like Nocturnal, Gravity Circuit, which is a game that came out recently, as well as the Knights of Pen and Paper and the Galaxy of Pen and Paper games. The game was released at a price point of $14.99, and runtime, if you're just going straight through only trying to hit the main objectives, I feel like it's really difficult to do that, but if you're just doing that, maybe about 10 hours. If you're doing side stuff, and in this game, you are definitely kind of getting into your own rhythm and systems, could be 15, 20 hours, I feel like I could play this game uh, pretty much endlessly like almost like my Stardew Valley save that has like 700 hours. I could just jump in this game, mess around and, you know, make some money and do some crafting and resources. And I could really play this forever. 
The game does not have a platinum trophy for our PlayStation listeners. Um, really not a lot of trophies, maybe like 10 or 12. And me, I got this on PlayStation 5, and I bought it for 824 It was on sale. And I've put in probably over eight hours, maybe closer to nine. And I've only done a couple of the main objectives. I'm really in this satisfying loop of just mining resources, crafting things, making money, doing other tasks. It's a game that I've been picking up and playing. And I've been playing, especially on the PlayStation Portal, I've been playing that in bed from my PS5. So really cool stuff there. And in terms of recommendation, had not heard about this game at all. I just saw it on sale. It looked interesting. looked cool. I'm a big Stardew Valley fan. Definitely like resource management and getting more efficient in systems. So I just bought it and decided to dive right in. Let's talk gameplay for Merchant of the Skies. So this is a merchant sim. You're definitely simulating being a merchant, doing a lot of traveling. A lot of what you're going to be doing is management. You're going to be managing money, trying to make money, doing different things, managing resources, a lot of crafting, uh, a lot of locations where you need to kind of swap things back and forth, and doing a lot of tasks or quests. And there's a good variety of these for how you make your money, how you find your resources, and definitely traveling. So you're going to be in an airship and you're going to be in the sky. So it's kind of like an alternate universe where you know we have islands in the sky and we're traveling between them by airship. So let's talk about the travel basics. So you are in an airship and you're primarily going to be seeing a giant map which is a giant rectangle, and you're going to be moving around when you're not on an island or at a location. And as soon as you start the game, the map is completely covered with like a fog, and you're going to wander around, and as you go past certain things, as you move, the fog starts to unclear. And as you're going, you might come across a lot of locations. A lot of what I did at the start of this game was just kind of exploring and clearing the fog and seeing what's out there. It's really tough to just jump into a location and try to get things done when you don't really know what's around you. Once you get the fog clear, you can move manually with the one joystick. Again, I'm playing on PlayStation. Or what you can do is once you have locations that are uncovered and you've been there, you can actually just click them on the map and the ship will automatically go there um, and it'll consume its resources or, or do what it normally does when you were driving, just kind of an autopilot. Uh, and you can see like a line that's connecting you to your location. So this allows you to like do your travel and not have to manually do it so you can look at other menus or things like that while that's happening. While you're traveling on the map, you might run into some things between locations. There may be storms, like you'll see a cloud that's kind of shedding out rain and shooting out lightning. And if your ship goes through this, like a little notification box will pop up that says like you're moving slower. So as you're traveling through storms, like they can slow you down and that can consume more fuel and things like that. You might also see like these clouds like whooshing, like it almost looks like a wind is blowing. And when you see that and you pass through that, that's going to speed you up. So you have like good and bad hazards. You might also come across like loose cargo um, that you can extract. Sometimes you can extract just manually. Sometimes you need a special upgrade to your ship. 
And also as you're traveling, there are a couple meters that you need to keep an eye on. First of all, there is a circle on the top left of your menu where you will see kind of these five different sections in different colors and they'll have strange markings. This is basically a five day cycle. So as you're moving, time moves. And so it's like a around the week. And this affects a lot of different things. This affects what's happening at other locations. As time passes, like things might grow, things might be able to be picked or extracted again or things like that. There might be actual locations that move. So a lot of things are going to be affected as you move and time passes because they kind of go one and the same. In the center of that meter, there's going to be a little lightning bolt. And when that is full, it'll be like a light blue. And as that gets depleted, it'll go all the way down and you'll see it kind of lose its color. That is your fuel gauge. And it's not like gasoline. It's uh, basically like bolts or electricity. And so as you're traveling, you're going to consume energy. So you'll see that meter go down. You definitely need to keep an eye on this because if you happen to deplete it and you're in the middle of nowhere, you're going to have to get towed to a location that you You've been at before that has uh, like a fuel supply for you to get fuel at and you have to pay to get towed so this is something that I found out pretty early on because I didn't really know what the meters meant and I got towed a couple times so just keep an eye on that you always want to kind of gauge where you're going how far you have until the next fuel station so as you're traveling around the map in your airship, there are lots of locations and different types of locations. So the main type that you're going to see that you're going to stop at a lot are towns. All of these locations are going to be islands. So you'll see little graphics of a little town and it might have houses or whatever, or it might have a lighthouse or, or a tower or something like that. You'll also see specific resource islands. And as you uncover more, you'll see like all the same type look the same. And then you'll also have unique locations. Sometimes they might have landmarks. Sometimes they might be special locations. Sometimes they might move. Sometimes they might be like story-based or secrets. Also on the map, if you scroll over onto a location, it'll give you a lot of information on that location. Now, this is only going to pop up if you've been there or if you've discovered it. If it's a town, you'll see like all the different buildings that are there. It may be buildings on a resource island that you built but no matter what it's going to give you a lot of information and what's interesting is that at all of these locations whether it's a town whether it's a specific resource island the different buildings or things there are going to vary so it's really important that you're able to look especially because if you need a recharge station and a town doesn't have one you're able to kind of move your mouse on the map to make sure that one is there also at towns if there is like a trader there it'll tell you what resources are for sale or if it's an island that you're working on like a resource island it'll tell you like what items you have stored there so that's again really helpful just so you don't have to go to each island and go in and see what's there also if a town has a fuel source it'll tell you the price of fuel so you can gauge like well there's a cheaper one here so if I go back here and fill up when I go over all the way to this location like I won't have to buy from the expensive place what's also interesting is if you have an island that you are working at and you have built things it'll tell you like what materials are required to upgrade the things you already have built this is really invaluable, again, so you don't have to go there and see what it requires all the way when you get there. Like, you can just be on the map and scroll around and see, okay, what do I need here? Let me pick up some where I'm at and then go there and do that upgrade. There's a lot of strategy because of this. So obviously, like I'm talking about, you really want to plan how you're going to take your course based on your distances of where you need to go, based on what materials you need, if you need to stop at certain places that sell things for cheap. And then when you get to a location, 
you're going to dock your ship there. And it turns into like this kind of side-scrolling camera where you don't get out of a ship. It's not like you control a character. You can just move the camera side to side. And when you get to a building that you want to interact with, you just hit X and then it'll pop up like a mini menu there. At these different locations, there could be different possible structures. So let's start with towns. Like I said, you might have a refuel station. When you get there, you can choose to fully fill whatever fuel you need or half fill it. And then the price will be there for how much it costs. If there's a trader, you can go in and buy and sell. So whatever you might have in your inventory versus whatever they have in their inventory. What's interesting with selling is not everything that you have is always going to be sellable at that merchant. So it depends on like what at that location they might actually want to buy. So when you scroll over to your items, it'll say like merchant can't sell this or merchant doesn't want to buy this or something like that. So be aware of that. Not all of your items are just going to be able to be sold at any merchant. What's really interesting though is that if you look at the map info of a particular town and what's available to be bought there, it'll tell you like market price. So you'll see like wood and it might say cheap or it might say very expensive. And what that's saying is like compared to where else you could get it, it's kind of giving you a nudge to be like, hey, it's really cheap to buy here or really expensive. And what's even more interesting is on the menus, as you go to different locations and see what's there and check out their traders and whatnot, you'll actually get a spreadsheet and it'll populate by itself for each item, whether it's a resource, whether it's a crafted item that you can also buy and the location and like how many dollar signs or how many coins I think it displays in coins. So much like if you're Googling a restaurant, it'll tell you like how expensive it is. And so you can easily look at that spreadsheet. And that's really something if you're someone like me, like who loves Stardew Valley and trying to maximize efficiency or financial efficiency, that's something that you will definitely geek out over. It's really nice that they include that. You may also run into a guild, and this is basically where you're going to receive and complete any kind of tasks or objectives. And the purpose for doing this is to gain money. So you are going to get main objectives that are kind of given to you to advance the story. These aren't ones that you have to seek out. It's just like kind of planted in you from the very beginning, and then the next one will come along when you complete the one. These optional tasks, like when you go to a guild, you're going to get the option to add tasks. If you take a task from a particular guild, like you won't be able to take another one from that guild until you complete the one you have. And this is interesting because I think some of the guilds in different towns are connected. So like if you have a guild that you're needing to get resources and transport them to another town, like when you go to that other town, you might not also be able to get a guild task from there. So it's really interesting how that kind of blacks that out but you can definitely have like four or five tasks from different towns for you to accomplish. You may also run into a post office. And this is interesting because this is how you will get updates sometimes from the main quest. Like your uncle, who's like the person who brings you here, he might send you information via mail and you'll have to pick it up at a post office. But also here you can do mail delivery tasks. You're definitely not going to get as much money for this, but it's something else to just kind of add in. If you're like, oh, a letter needs to be delivered to this town. I'm already going there. I might as well do it and get an extra hundred bucks or something like that. You'll also see a house sometimes at towns, which is a building where you can get tourism tasks. So it's just like a house. 
I guess it's where people stay. Maybe it's a hotel or something like that. So you might get tourist tasks that are like, hey, bring along this one person and bring them to this landmark or this town or something like that and then bring them back. And then that's another way for you to do a task and get some money. But here, primarily, you're going to recruit crew members. And there's nothing special about these crew members. It's just like adding people to your ship. What's interesting about having a ship crew is depending on the ship that you have, it requires a certain number of crew people in order to kind of function efficiently. And that's definitely reflected in like how fast your ship moves on the map. But also, if you are doing resource mining, and we'll talk about that in a second, when you buy an island and build things there for mining resources, you need to put people there. So if you have a ship that has a certain capacity of people, I tend to pay for a couple extra ship crew that I need so that if I do purchase an island, I have a couple people at my disposal to put there as workers. And then sometimes you might have a shipwright or a workshop at a town. And these are basically for purchasing or swapping upgrades to your airship or also for buying new ships. So once you get a lot of money, you might buy a new ship. And this is very SimCopter. If you've ever played SimCopter, I know it's a super old game. I actually just found the disc that had all the keyboard shortcuts for like Windows 98. But just like in SimCopter, your ship has certain attributes like speed, how fast it moves, uh, the max fuel that it can hold, capacity for crew members. So for example, you might have a ship that has a capacity for crew members of like 15, and it'll say you only require four members to run the ship. So that's a lot of extra space for you to pick up tourists or for you to pick up extra workers that you can drop at some of your locations. And the other locations that are going to be the major ones you run into are these resource islands. And you can see eventually visually like the commonality between all ones of the same type. They kind of look the same on the map, but you'll have things like forests where you get wood, stone deposits, iron deposits, gem mines, wheat fields, uh, sand pits, tea fields, things like that. And when you go to any of these locations, you can manually mine a certain amount of stuff the first time that you get there. So you don't require anything to do that. Now, you can typically manual mine any of these islands once per day, but some of them require you to get a specific ship upgrade. So, for example, like if you go to a forest and you go there and you manually mine some wood, like you can get a couple pieces of wood. That's fine. If you come back the next day, you will need an axe upgrade on your ship in order to be able to mine extra wood. Now that's fine, but eventually what you're gonna to wanna to start doing is buying these islands and they will have varied prices. Uh, I think some of the more expensive ones are maybe like the gem mines or even the wheat fields or the tea fields or something like that. But some of the basic ones like the forest for wood, the stone deposit for stone, iron for iron, the sand pit for sand. Um, these are some basic ones and so they're not gonna cost as much. But once you buy an island, then you can start to build things on it and get workers there and have them mining it kind of autonomously as you're out doing other tasks. It's a little interesting because you have to buy the island and then you have to start building certain things. Every time you buy an island, you have to build a storage facility first so that you can store whatever they mine there. After that, then you have to build a farming facility for that particular resource, and then you have to put workers in there to do it automatically. After that, you can build a variety of different buildings. Now, this is going to depend on what resources there and what you might need 
need to do with it after. So a lot of these extra buildings are going to craft certain things, like you're going to maybe want to get an oven there or a forge or a workshop or a windmill. And these are all pretty much possible at any location, regardless of the resource, specifically because they can do multiple things. So for example, the oven can make bricks out of sand and stone, or it can also make bread out of flour. So I like that these are kind of multi-use. So you might have an oven on a wheat field, or you might also have an oven like at a stone deposit, and they might do the same thing. And you may actually want to kind of synergize or cross-pollinate depending on your strategy. But what's interesting is that some of these also have very specific buildings that you can build. So for example, like you can only build like a sawmill at the forest because the sawmill's primary responsibility is taking wood and turning it into lumber. And so a lot of these islands are going to have specific things that are only named to that island to craft there. And then as you craft these things, uh, you can also upgrade all of the buildings. You can upgrade the storage at your uh, specific resource island, and you're going to need to do this constantly. But if you upgrade some of the things that you built, like if you upgrade your oven, it's going to upgrade the production. So it's going to turn you know sand and stone into brick at a greater rate. What's also interesting is that you can set the maximum that it produces. So if you have like a limited storage space on an island, you can set it so that like it mines a certain amount of sand a day, but it only makes like up to 40 bricks or 60 bricks so that you're not continuously turning your sand into bricks, even though you need the space for maybe other things there. And so you kind of get into this rhythm and flow. Again, there's a lot of synergy with the materials. Like for example, building a lot of things might require wood and stone. So that can make things a little interesting, sometimes a little annoying because if you build an oven like at a sand pit, you're going to have to grab stone from the stone deposit and bring it over to the sand pit so that it can make bricks automatically because the sand pit can't mine stone. So little things like that you have to just keep in mind. Also things like making bread, like it's going to take a while before you get to something like bread because you have to farm wheat and then you have to build a windmill to turn it into flour and then you have to put the flour in the oven after you build the oven. A lot of these things might not be able to happen all at one island location. What's good is like there are a lot of these different types of islands that are repetitive throughout the entire map and you might find that like in a specific location there's a stone deposit, there's a sand pit, and there's a forest very close to each other so you might choose to buy those three and then you have like a little triangle trade going on so that you don't have to travel so far just to transport materials and this is very stardew valley so if you've played stardew valley you know that there's a lot of crafting whether you're trying to make juice or you're trying to pickle something or something like that or you're trying to make wine and you put the wine in a barrel in the basement to upgrade its value a lot of efficiency going on a lot of moving resources to craft other resources definitely if you're someone into stardew valley like you'll geek out about all the possibilities here. And since you're moving materials back and forth, your ship storage is going to be a particular thing of concern. And again, upgrading ships is just something that gradually you're going to do over time that'll make things easier for you. So there's like kind of this co-evolution of, oh, I'm ramping up my production of these resources, but then now I need to upgrade my ship. So like I get a lot of money by doing tasks, and then I use that money to spend on ships or buying more resources or buying more islands and things like that. As you progress through the game, there are also going to be unique locations and interactions that pop up. Sometimes it'll be like statues. Maybe you have to bring tourists to certain statues. There's actually also a bank which is really interesting because you can put money in and get interest for it. However, if you happen to go bankrupt, 
which does happen, you are going to get indebted to the bank. If you get indebted to the bank and then go bankrupt again, it actually tells you that you will lose the game if you go bankrupt again. So that happened to me very early on, and then I was like super aware of it because there are ways that you can pay money or be charged money. So if you have a crew, if you have different islands where you put workers, every week when that circle meter goes up after five days, you have to pay your expenses. And so you'll see a little ledger at the end of every five days. And so if it puts you below how much money you have, you'll go into debt. It also happens if you happen to run out of fuel because to get towed, you actually have to pay to get towed. So that was how I got bankrupt the first time uh, before I even you know kind of realized what was going on. And then so you'll have to go all the way to where the bank is to pay off your debt. But you also run into special places that have like special mini games that are really cool and actually make the game fun and interesting. You can upgrade your character and there's only one location you can do that at. So as you get further and further in the game, you complete tasks, you complete main objectives, uh, you will get experience, although I don't actually see it. It just tells you when you have like a skill point unlocked. And sometimes it wasn't until I had like eight or nine skill points that I was like, all right, I got to go trek to this location where I upgrade my character. And then there are some other things that'll unlock as you go through the story, like you'll get relics uh, that can unlock kind of secret things. There's also locations that are abandoned that say like you can't do anything about this now. So I feel like that's something that might come across later. In terms of accessibility, a lot of time and strategy. For me, the game was very slow going at first. I kind of didn't know what to do. I was just exploring and finding locations. And then finally, I started to get the gist of it and did little incremental ship improvements or, you know, buying an island. The first time I bought an island, it was kind of a big deal. I was like, is this risky? Am I worried about like going bankrupt if I can't, you know, manage it? But eventually you just kind of get a handle on it out of nowhere you'll be like profitable in minutes you're like okay i'm getting the hang of this some of the menus and buttons are interesting i'm playing on ps5 so i'm playing with the dualsense controller and when i'm in the menus or i'm trying to go side to side on some of the menus like the different boxes or looking through inventory like the d-pad is not that responsive and so like you have to use the joystick but the joystick like on an inventory screen is just like i'll try to go left and sometimes it'll go up to the left like it's super sensitive so i was kind of annoyed by that like you would think it's very simple, the D-pad, uh, but sometimes it's like not responsive or it responds late. Some of the overlap of menus is a little clunky. Like there's kind of a pause menu. Like when you hit triangle, like you can look at all of your quests or you can look at the ledger that has the different money comparisons or cost comparisons or resources. And you can go to like the pause screen where you can save and quit. If that's on, like you have to turn that menu off before you can do anything else. So I found myself like on that menu and then tried to move my ship and like something popped up that I didn't realize was there. I do have to say, like, I'm very impressed with what's displayed on the map at locations, like all the different things that you can see, like what materials you need to upgrade certain things. But if I want to build something, I have to go to an island and like open up the build menu and see what it costs. So that's something that I, I wish I had more access to in the menu. And the game saves pretty often automatically, but anytime you quit, it can save and it'll just kind of pull you out and put you right back in where you got. So in terms of accessibility with saving, really nothing to worry about. The game saves pretty much often and just puts you right back into the action.
All right, let's talk about the vibe of Merchants of the Skies. Not as much to say here. This game is definitely built on gameplay and sort of repetition with that. But let's talk about the visuals. So there's a pretty solid good 2D pixelation, like on the map. You know, you can see the different locations. It's very easy to see eventually that, like, oh, that's an iron deposit or that's a stone deposit. Um, and seeing the different towns, like, they do look different. It just looks like an island with, like, a building or two. So pretty basic in terms of icons. Even on the menu, the resources in your inventory and stuff like that. It's very Stardew Valley in that way like you can see it pretty clearly in level like the buildings and statues are, are nicely rendered it's still kind of pixelated when you have workers whether they're gathering resources or whether you just hired them like you'll see these little guys like running back and forth like da, 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 da. in general in terms of like the color like the game is very bright like everything is really well lit it's light colors like light blues nice colorful reds and purples and magentas uh, and that makes sense because it's like you're in the sky it's merchant of the sky so it's like there's plenty of light uh, there's definitely no darkness or like caves or dungeon delving a lot of the cloud colors very sunset at times in terms of audio i think the music's pretty good although it gets in your head and what's interesting is like there's really not that many different tracks at least that i've discovered so it's a bit repetitive like for now it's pretty good but i feel like eventually it might start to get a little annoying i just wish there were a greater variation of tracks but it still does provide sort of that adventure feeling or like that merchant like you're at a market or a bazaar in terms of sound effects this is really good anytime you send or receive an item like put it in your inventory or sell it or, or anything like that like it's very stardew it has like this like this popping when you're on the map and like you're moving through a storm it'll say on the menu like it's slowing down but then you'll hear like boo, like you'll hear thunder some of the mini games are related to music notes like you do get an instrument and you have to like repeat notes that are played it's like kind of like a little horn or, or like a flute or something like that so i do like the notes uh, and the music that's played by that in terms of setting and theme you're in the sky it's really interesting it's definitely like an alternate universe like you're in an airship and it's powered by like lightning also, this idea that it's like the, a gift of the gods or something like that. Uh, and a lot of times you'll see statues of different explorers. And there's definitely some undertones of like deities or, or gods like giving you know, this certain power so that airships could go about and move island to island. Obviously, it's like islands in the sky, so it's like alternate universe or something like that. But you'll also run into a lot of beings that are like anthropomorphized items or like different things you might come across in the sea. Like there's a version of the Kraken, and this is also related to some of the mini games. So it's a nice clash of like high seas and like pirates, although they're not really pirates but like big ships but also like this weird kind of ancient greece or rome with like these gods that are giving power to man or something like that there are a few characters in this game no one really of consequence there is like your uncle who like starts you on your first quest and a couple of the main objectives have recurring characters but nothing that really stands out you do come across relics uh, as you get through the game and sometimes they'll have lore about the world. Sometimes you'll read lore. And there are some secrets that you'll come across, like things that I didn't realize were there or that I had to find a certain way. And it gives some context to the world. Like there is some character to it, but it's not really the focus. And that's fine for me um, because definitely the gameplay and the, the simulation, sort of the loops that you get into, I think are really where the game does its shining.
All right, let's wrap up the conversation about Merchant of the Skies. So this is a great merchant sim, and it's got some deep systems. I'm definitely a sucker for games like Stardew Valley. I feel like a lot of their systems maximizing efficiency, like just endless, you could go back to it at any time. I feel like this is a game that I'm going to constantly just jump back into. Again, I am playing it on the PlayStation Portal, streaming it from the PS5, so I'm playing it in bed, and it's just like sometimes I'm up an extra hour just like geeking out about like, okay, now i got to fix this and build this here and then upgrade it over there. Oh, I got to go back to that location, pick up some wood, and then I got to do this task and whatnot. So the game definitely has its hooks in me. Staying up late is always a good sign of that. And then the lore, the art, the music, I know it's kind of minimal, but it is pleasant that it's there and a nice little kind of coloring in of the game. There's also some minor hiccups like we talked about, like the menus and the buttons, maybe some bugginess. But otherwise, I feel like the game is pretty transparent. It provides a lot of information about places you're going, trying to give you all of that right in front of you so you can make your strategic decisions. In terms of value, I think $15 is great for a game like this. Again, such depth, such systems, like it's definitely about that grind. You can put hours into this game. If this game is ever on sale, I think it's a steal. Like I got it for eight bucks. I think that is an absolute steal. I mean, I wound up putting something like 30 bucks into Stardew Valley. I bought it like three or four times, but definitely a game like this, I think is worth your time. It's something that you can sink into. If you like Stardew Valley, or if you like any kind of crafting sim, or even like StarCraft or anything like that, I know there's not combat in here. I feel like if you're someone that likes those strategy games where you're doing a lot of you know synergistic crafting or, or resource management, I think you'll definitely get a lot out of this game, especially with the aesthetic, the lighting, um, and just kind of a fresh take on a sim. So I highly recommend this game. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.